Hey, thanks so much for joining us at our Red Rocks Church podcast. If you're new here, we're just a bunch of broken, messed up, imperfect people pursuing a perfect God. We hope that this message encourages your heart, builds your faith so that you can say yes to all of the plans and the purposes of God for your life. Enjoy this message. Hey, I think a 10 second praise break for Jesus Christ would be very appropriate right now. Come on. Hey, will you pray with me, Jesus, right now? We remind ourselves of what is true. What's true is that your name is above every name. What's true is that your name is above all division. Your name is above all disease. Your name is above all cancer. Your name sits above a virus and a a pandemic. Your name is above anxiety and depression and all injustice and all evil, your name is above and beyond anything and everything that we might be going through right now. And so today we bless your name, the holy and perfect, awesome and amazing, beautiful, wonderful and powerful name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen. Woo! Hey, if you will, stay standing just for a few moments because this is a big weekend for Red Rocks Church because Red Rocks Worship has just released part two of an EP and it's called Things of Heaven, Where We Are Going and it is absolutely amazing. And can I just say this to you guys on behalf of all of us, we are proud of you and we are so spoiled by you not just by your crazy talent, but more importantly, the time and the effort and the, the prayers and the fasting and the prices you pay and you're behind the scenes that none of us will ever know about. And uh, man, we are just so proud of you. And so thank you for being so good at what you do. And uh, if I can say to, to all of you on behalf of them, this is an album full of anthems and songs that are written with you in mind. For real, some of your specific faces, and you don't even know who you are. These songs were written with your your face in mind as anthems to proclaim from the mountaintop and sing even in the valley, to, to celebrate when life is awesome, and to still sing even if life sucks. What do you say? What do you do? What do you proclaim? What do you sing when you don't know what to sing? You sing these songs, amen? Much like water, when it evaporates and then falls like rain, our praise goes up, and the things of heaven come down. So, so as a Red Rocks Church family, let's get behind this project, stream it and sing it and share it because God is going to use it to change the lives of countless people that we don't even know about, amen? Come on, one more time, can we celebrate that? Get loud, get proud, get excited for church today. We decide right now what kind of day this is gonna be. And show some energy, show some love to all of our Denver locations, Brussels, Belgium, Austin, Texas, everybody listening in cities, in cars, in your AirPods, all over the planet. And finally, our God Behind Bars locations. And specifically,
the Denver Women's Correctional Facility, who are meeting in person again today for the first time since before the pandemic. My goodness, do we love you. Do you feel good? You happy to be alive? All right, you may take a seat. I love you guys so much. I'm so grateful to be here. Scotty, you don't go anywhere yet. Five more minutes. Let me just remind everybody, regardless of who you are or where you're from or, or what you've done, you're in the right place at the right time because this is the day the Lord has made. And so lean in today like he made it for you and listen today like it's on purpose and worship today like the maker of the universe wants to meet with you, amen? Hey, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and go to Daniel chapter one. Does anybody have an actual Bible? I'm talking pages and pleather. I see you guys. God doesn't have favorites. I do, and I'm looking at you. Daniel chapter one. Go there. If you need more time, say, hold up. Okay. Conrad, are you well? Are you a Ted Lasso fan? You are? Okay, okay. I was going to say not everybody's perfect, but you're close. Okay, Daniel chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Here we go. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. So now this speaks to the biblical narrative of the Israelites, a people chosen by God to be a light to the world. And if you know your Bible, the Old Testament's basically the story of them royally failing at that, of them repeatedly turning from God and God constantly going after them and saving them. Because how many know sometimes the worst thing that could ever happen would be for God to actually give you what you want? C.S. Lewis says, in the end, really, there's only two kinds of people, those who say to God, thy will be done, and those to whom God says, thy will be done. Well, in 587 BC, the Lord delivered them to Babylon and essentially said to the Israelites, thy will be done. And Jerusalem was destroyed, and then we pick it back up, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God, lowercase g, in Babylon and put in the treasure house of his God. So this is the ancient way of saying, our God beat up your God. So let's recap. The Israelites were taken away from their homes and torn from their families and friends and everything familiar and relocated all throughout Babylon. This is what is called the exile. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, we'll call him Ash for my sanity, Ash, the chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, just picture Connor Grimm as I read this, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, handsome and well-informed and quick to understand and handsome and qualified to serve in the king's palace. All of you single ladies, that's your new life verse. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. So this ain't fast food, okay? I'm talking medium rare filet mignon from Elway's paired with a 20-year cab every night at the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and then after that, they were to 
enter the king's service, where, by the way, they would do very well and succeed and live large in Babylon. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And then Ash, our boy Ash, goes on to to change their names, change their clothes. He tries to change their diets. He's essentially on a mission to indoctrinate them into the culture of Babylon. Today, I want to preach a message called Kill the Chameleon. And just so we're on the same page, that's a metaphor. No literal lizards were harmed in the making of this sermon. So turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, respect animals, but kill the chameleon. Kill the chameleon. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Holy Spirit, please know how welcomed and wanted you are in our church. We love you so much and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now you're free to go. I love you. Kill the chameleon. Fitting in is easier than standing out. I think we think we want to stand out. I don't think we actually do because I think fitting in is way easier than standing out. How else do you explain the puka shell necklace? Okay, let me journey back here. Hey, you laugh now until next summer when everybody's wearing these things, I'm telling you. But ladies and gentlemen, your fearless leader and his prodigal sons. I just, you need to know who your pastors are. Today, I want you to make an educated decision on if this church really is for you, okay? My gosh, Ronnie and Andrew. Ronnie, bring that hair back. This right here is me on a family vacation in Cancun. I bought that puka shell necklace at the hotel gift shop hours before my first scuba diving lesson with sun in and my hair to turn it blonde. That is about the most stereotypical puka picture that there is. And then me just months later, my freshman yearbook photo with yet another puka shell necklace. Fast forward two more years, junior year, another puka shell necklace. When will the madness end, right? Hey, but my puka prophecy is Puka Shell Summer 2022. I'm telling you, it's coming back, okay? Oh, and now, ladies and gentlemen, for your viewing pleasure, your campus pastors. And you guys can thank your wives for this. Littleton, Lakewood, Arvada Park Meadows, don't say I never did anything for you, okay? Obviously, Josh Kingry trying to, to be the tough guy. And then James Keithley, is that an F major bar chord? You dog. <laughs> Jordan McCaslin with the, with the uh, frosted tips, truly a man ahead of his time. And then Conrad Best with the slim cut Abercrombie and Fitch polo shirt. And you know his mom made him unpop that collar just for the senior picks, right? Conrad, I had that exact same polo shirt. In fact, I had two in two different colors. One day, I swear, I doubled up. Both of them popped collars with my puka shell necklace and my Hollister body spray by Jake, which all of us had. So all the girls would say, oh my gosh, Doug, you smell so amazing. And I'd say, thanks. Yeah, I smell like every guy in our grade. Haven't you noticed our classroom smells like Hollister? That's why your nose is bleeding and my eyes are watering and we all have a headache. But hey, at least we all fit in. 
Fitting in is easier than standing out. We tend to walk and talk like the people around us. Studies show we subconsciously start imitating the accents of the people we're talking to. That's why your friend who studied abroad in London for six months came back with a fully blown British accent, drinking afternoon tea, and you're like, okay, sweetie, we get it. You studied abroad, (laughs) but now you're home. When I'm around Southern people, I say y'all. I do, and it's very efficient, way more efficient than saying you and all, but I only do it when I'm around Southern people, and I have like a little twang in my voice, like, y'all worshiping? Y'all Red Rockers? I I don't know why, it's just, when I'm with my friends from Laguna Beach, I call everything quote-unquote rad. I never do that. I know who I am, and I know who I'm not, right? When I am out to dinner with pastors who are not Red Rocks pastors, I'm on my best behavior. I try to sound more spiritual. I pray longer for meals. I I drop one-liners like, bless you, my brother in Christ. I'm like, where did that come from? I, I never say that. When I'm around a group of friends that cusses a lot, I start uh, speaking truth over their life. You almost had me. Start praying for their gosh darn souls is what I start doing. Fitting in is easier than standing out. I'm convinced this is why guys drink IPAs. That's stung. Oh, because bitter is good? Okay. Hey, a few of you, a few of y'all are the real deal. I'll give you that. I have this working theory that nine out of 10 guys who drink IPAs, and you know who they are because they tell you, are genuinely trying to like it, but secretly just... Mm, this is the price you pay to be cool, but fitting in is easier than standing out. So what's my point? Pukashell Summer 2022. Not really. Well, maybe. My point, there is a chameleon in every single one of us. The chameleon wants to blend in with its surroundings. Whatever conversation, whatever room, whatever city I'm in, Something in me wants to walk and talk like everybody else. I remember this feeling when I went away to college. The chameleon in me holding on for dear life that says to the world, I will be whatever you want to see. I will be whatever you want me to be. The chameleon behaves different from its beliefs to please people or succeed. The chameleon wants the road most traveled. The chameleon compromises to culture. The chameleon, plainly put, is the opposite of integrity. And that word integrity is the topic for today. While your reputation is who others think you are, integrity is who you really are. What is integrity? Well, simply put, integrity is when your behaviors match your beliefs. It's when you practice what you preach. It comes from the Latin word integer which means whole and complete or integrated in every single part of your life. So I've learned so much from a pastor named Craig Rochelle on this topic. I heard him explain it this way. So you might have your your professional life. This is who I am at work. But then there's my, my family life, and this is who my spouse or my kids know me as. And then I have my, my social life or my Instagram life, and this is, this is the filtered image I project to the world, right? 
And then there's my, my spiritual life, and that's who I am on, on Sunday mornings, but maybe only on Sunday mornings, and that means you're treating Jesus as a supplement for, for one compartment of your life rather than the savior of your entire life, except Jesus isn't a supplement, which, which might be why it feels like this whole Jesus in church thing isn't working. And then there's that part of me that nobody knows about or sees, and that is my, my private life. And without even realizing it, we can start living a very compartmentalized life, which, by the way, might be one of the reasons so many of us just feel low-grade off on the inside. Proverbs says, our duplicity destroys us when, much like a chameleon, we change our color to fit our compartment. But the word integrity means everything integrated completely whole, so that who you are, regardless of where you are, is one. And by the way, Proverbs chapter three would say a common side effect of integrity is afternoon naps and sleeping through the night. So the question becomes, why is that so difficult to do? Why is it so challenging to live a fully integrated life? My answer, simply put, is because the devil has no interest in your integrity, nor does your flesh nor does the world. Culture wants your conformity, not your integrity. And that right there is why I'm so fascinated with Daniel and his friends, because they're 16 years old in Daniel chapter one. 16. When I was 16 years old, I was wearing puka necklaces and getting kicked out of youth group. So these 16-year-olds who have been torn from their families and everything familiar get dragged into exile in the most dominant and seductive culture of their time and yet somehow keep their integrity. And their behaviors continue to match their beliefs even in exile. So what is exile? It's a biblical theme that refers to God's people living in a host culture that is not just different but fundamentally opposed to their beliefs. I don't know if that sounds familiar to you. Babylon was a city. Babylon is now a symbol. It was a locality. It is now a mentality. Babylon was a kingdom. Babylon is now a current that you and me work and live in. And the point, the whole point of the book of Daniel is to be a message of hope that motivates faithfulness to future generations of Christians who live in cities like ours, Denver, Austin, Brussels, all of them by definition officially post-Christian cities. The tides of secularism are high and rising. It is no longer cool or normal to follow Jesus Christians aren't just weird anymore. To a lot of culture, to a lot of people, Christians are seen as part of the problem. But these are our homes, you guys. These are our cities. And if you're anything like me, you're the biggest fan of your city. I love living here. And if this is where the Babylon current is, then sign me up. That's right where I want to be. You understand, we will fight any kind of temptation called separatism. Separatism is where you retreat from a culture that disagrees with you. Let me stay away from the sinners so I don't get that on me. Guys, let's move and deep into the mountains and start a community where we can keep our integrity, but at the cost of our influence. And I guess I'm just trying to say not a chance because too many people need Jesus and our calling is to be in the world, but not of the world. A light to the world for the sake of the world. 
to serve our cities so that we can see God save our cities. So the question becomes, how? How do you stay in the world without becoming the world and in doing so, change the world? Daniel and his buddies get torn from their homes. Here's new names. Here's new clothes. Here's a new diet. Here's a three-year school that is socially engineered to erase all of your faith in Yahweh. Here is sexual company in the king's palace. Here is a five-star meal every night at the king's table. Notice Babylon appeals to both their ambitions and their appetites. Babylon, like Denver, like Austin, like Brussels, is so seductive. And you're looking at the biggest fan of our cities right here. I'm not scared, I'm simply sober. That's why Christians move to these cities and three years later aren't Christians. Oh yeah, that story haunts me, keeps me up at night. I feel deeply for it. That story will play itself out one million times in the next year in our nation alone. This is a pattern of my generation and Generation Z, that in the name of being the cool Christian who's in the world because Jesus would be, we slowly and softly become more and more of the world until being in the world really was just a layover to post-Christian. That's why I wanna know, what did Daniel do? How did these guys keep their influence without compromising their integrity? How do you stay in and how do you stand out at the same time? I wanna give you two ways to kill the chameleon with the rest of our time. Just two ways to stay in and stand out, keep your influence and integrity. Does that sound good? Two ways to kill the chameleon, here we go. Number one is community. You kill the the chameleon with community. In Babylon, stand by yourself and you will fall by yourself. This will be sobering for a moment. You know what Daniel had with his friends? Stubbornly, I love the use of that word stubborn. Stubbornly intentional friendships. So I'll say it this way, having buddies is easy, but real community, friends who care about your faith and don't let you compromise, only happens on purpose. God has used these kinds of friends in my life more than anything else to help me kill the chameleon in me because whoever told you Christianity was easy or safe, especially in a Babylon current, lied to you. And statistically, the number one determining factor for where you will end up in life is who you're doing life with right now. It's not my opinion, it's just logic. It's a question of direction. You will end up in the same destination as the people you're driving with. So my question is, do you need a hiatus from that car? from that relationship, and please don't don't misunderstand my heart, that does not mean that you're better than them. We know we're Christians not because we think we're better than the world, but because we know we're not, okay? But to have influence on that car, you might need a hiatus because you're gonna need some integrity if you're gonna have that influence. And if you're trying to get to the Pacific Ocean, you're gonna have a really hard time if you're traveling in the same car with a group of friends who are heading to the Atlantic Ocean. It's just a direction question is all that it is. Your closest friends, check your circle because the closest relationships in your life will either push you towards God or pull you away from him. I think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Don't ask yourself who is gonna, who's gonna eat steak at the king's table with me tonight. Ask yourself, who's gonna go with me into the fiery furnace if and when it comes time for that? Real friends, fireproof your faith. 
Are you that kind of friend? Do you have those kinds of friends? I think of the lame man on the mat in Mark chapter two. Don't ask yourself who, who's gonna party with me in Cancun. Ask yourself who's gonna carry my mat for me and rip a hole through a freaking roof to get me to Jesus when, when I'm desperate. You might lose friends because you choose to stand for something greater than yourself. It's really hard for sitters to be around standers. Keep standing and stubbornly commit to Christian community for the sake of your culture, which according to Paul, by the way, is gonna require you to bear with each other, to bear with me, to bear with the people sitting around you, to forgive, to give the benefit of the doubt, to choose to see the best in people, to keep people accountable, which, which by the way, requires your willingness to be kept accountable to encourage and to challenge, which by the way, requires your willingness to be challenged because I'm telling you statistically, this is so important and sobering. Statistically, your community might just be the reason you're still following Jesus or not three years from now. This is the reason we do groups at Red Rocks Church. It's the reason we take this so serious. There's a classic preacher quote I've heard about a million times at conferences. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. I used to roll my eyes at that. But the longer I do ministry and the more I observe, the more I go, oh yeah, yep, 100%. You show me your, your five closest friends, I will prophesy over you the next five years of your life, man stubbornly intentional friendships, heading in the same direction, in the same car, standing out like a city on a hill that refuses to be hidden, where you look to your left and to your right and you see people actually living out and walking with integrity. That's not peer pressure, that's community confidence. When I look to my left and I see Andrew living this thing out, and I look to my right and I see Connor living this thing out, that's called inspiration, where I go, I wanna do that too. I'm the real deal too. That's my word, inspiration. That's a word for somebody in our church. Hopefully a lot of people inspire us with your integrity and how you live this thing out so that we can look at you and go, okay, I'm in this too. Stubbornly commit to Christian community. Kills the chameleon, amen? Okay, number two, character. Which by the way, is different from integrity, but I'll explain that. Um, over the past 10 or so years, for whatever reason, God has placed three specific celebrities on my heart to pray for. The Biebs, obviously. <laughs> Katy Perry sings the greatest song ever, Wide Awake. <laughs> and Tiger Woods who is a hero and a role model of mine for his perseverance. So on November 27, 2009, Tiger got in a car wreck outside of his house in Florida as his wife, who was rightfully furious, tried to break through the windows of his car with his nine iron. And in the following months, it was revealed that Tiger was involved in multiple affairs. It was shocking news that was devastating for his golf career and heartbreaking for so many of his fans who, like myself, look up to him. And, and first of all, we love comeback stories, you guys, because God loves comeback stories. 
And Tiger's still a role model of mine because he has made incredible amounts of progress beneath the weight of, uh, beneath weight that I can't even imagine or, or fathom, okay? But here's my question. Why was that so devastating? Because that kind of stuff happens all the time. It's almost more normal for that not to happen or for that to happen than for it to not happen. So if you want to stand out, just have integrity. The world will not know how to categorize you. So why was that so, so devastating? That happens all the time. I think I know the answer. Because Tiger's image was a role model. His life was not integrated, it was compartmentalized, and he was one person in his public world and a different person in his private world. Now, two things. First things first, in some way and to some extent, you're doing the same thing, and so am I. So when you hear about moral failures in pop culture, is your first gut reaction to judge and gossip or take a self-assessment? Number two, character is not the same thing as integrity. So follow me here. Your character is who you really are. It is your, it is your substance, if you will. Your integrity is simply the accuracy to which you live out that character or substance. And so if you, if you preach low character and practice low character, you actually have really high integrity. But as followers of Jesus... We are called to be like Jesus, which means your calling is to your character even way before it's to a career because God looks at the heart. And as Christians, I don't think we have a problem, you guys, projecting a good image. I think we have a problem matching that public image with the private character. So if I can only bench 200 pounds and I told you I can bench 300 pounds, I don't have integrity. There's two ways I can fix that. First of all, I could just tell you the truth which once again is the freedom of confession because chameleons only camouflage when they're trying to hide and pity the person who is hiding. You guys, we are all imperfect people pursuing a perfect God and that's not just some good slogan to shout down and amen. That is an invitation to be real here because your isolation is Satan's playground and it is so unnecessary. Confession is correcting my image so that it matches my substance. Hashtag afternoon naps. And I highly recommend it. But in that scenario of bench pressing, I can also fix my integrity by getting my butt into the gym and working on my bench until my real bench matches what you guys think it is. That is integrity, the accuracy to which you actually practice what it is that you preach. When you cultivate your character, if you will, so it begins to be a little bit more synonymous with your image. When you work on your behind the scenes until there is no duplicity or dichotomy between your private world and your public world. Does that make sense? Character is everything, and it gets developed or dismantled with every small decision. So today, what will you do when nobody's looking? For real, though, will you tell that story slanted in a way that makes you look good and them look bad? Are you really hoping your, your spouse doesn't find out about that thing? Are you praying your, your kids do as you say and not as you do one day? 
Do you lie about your kid's age to get a discount at the movies? I did this three months ago at the Austin Aquarium. Drove home and just like, all right, so my integrity's worth $4.75. But really, I'm like, why? Why? <laughs> Christian, your character is your essence. Protect it. Don't trade it. Charisma gets the world's attention. Character gets God's attention. If you have integrity, nothing else matters. If you don't, also, nothing else matters. Kill the chameleon. And team, you can come up. Other than Jesus, I think Daniel had more integrity than anybody in the Bible, and I'm serious, which led to his crazy influence. Because as the years go by after chapter one that we just read, Daniel rises to the top in Babylon, and people try to tear him down. But Daniel 6.4 says this, they could find no corruption. You could replace that with duplicity, compartmentalization. They could find no duplicity in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. And then when they try to trap him by tricking King Darius into making a decree that says you can't worship or, or pray to any God or human other than the king, but Daniel, because of his integrity, worships and prays to Yahweh anyways, but the officials find him and they throw him into a den of lions and they seal that den with a stone but then Daniel chapter six, verse 22, this is Daniel who says this after he spends a night in that den with lions and comes out the next morning untouched. He says, my God sent his angel who shut the mouths of lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent, that's key, in his sight. In the Hebrew, that, he, that, innocent, that word innocent speaks to integrity, not perfection. Integrity, not perfection. If integrity required perfection, only Jesus would have integrity, okay? It doesn't require you to always be right. It simply just requires you to always be real. Integrity got Daniel through the lion's den. It really did. And I'm really glad nobody amen that because integrity also got him in there in the first place. Your integrity will invite the world's resistance. The integrity of Jesus got him on that cross. Integrity is the, the road less traveled. But if you ever find yourself in a lion's den of sorts because of your integrity, take heart. For you are in good company with guys who get thrown into tombs sealed with stones. You kill the chameleon with community and character. And I guess I'll, I'll finish here. And I wasn't expecting to do this, but if I could just get real with you. Um, prepping this sermon has punched me in my soul's gut more than any sermon I've ever preached. And it, this was a battle to write. Um, that's why I, I'm so grateful for this moment because I can just sort of release it and now it can haunt you instead of me. So I love you guys. Thank you. Um, so I get a lot of, uh, of attention for doing this when I do it well. 
And I have such a, a performer in me, and I think that's another characteristic of the chameleon, is to, is to perform. And it can be so easy sometimes just to, to show up and, and preach. And um, I really do believe I have an audience of one, like, cut me open, what am I all about? I care what he thinks way more than what y'all think. I really do. Um, but it can be so easy to, to preach and just completely miss it for you. And I think God stalled me so much and pumped the brakes so much and made this week so challenging because almost as if to say, hey, buddy, this is, this is yours. This is for you. If somebody else gets something great, but, but this is for you. Because much like everybody, I mean, I know I'm... I'm a pastor, we do a great job around here of convincing you and proving pastors don't wear capes and I'm proud of that. I have a lot of those areas in my life where my integrity, way more often than I care to admit, just, it fails. And I, I know, progress over perfection, absolutely. There's zero condemnation that I feel. It's more of an invitation, like in a challenge where at the same time I just, I kind of feel God going, hey, let's go, bro. Let's go. You know what your world needs right now more than anything else? Inspiration when it comes to integrity. More than, like, Christians dream about influence, and influence is great. God dreams about integrity. He really, really does. Maybe make that our focus. I've told you guys this before, but I just have a clearer and clearer dream of seeing a generation of Christians committed to shrinking the gap between who we are publicly and who we are privately for the sake of the generation of kids growing up behind us who are watching us. Like, who cares if they admire our image? I'm wondering if they can model our substance, your integrity. I guess all I'm trying to say is that's my new word. That is my new word, and I'm just hoping you catch it like it's contagious. I want to see integrity go viral. When integrity goes viral, that would have been a better name for this message. Dang it. Hey, will you guys stand? We're going to finish. Daniel was in Babylon in exile for 70 years, and every single day of those 70 years, Three times a day, he went to the window in his room that faced Jerusalem, and he got on his knees, and he prayed, and he worshiped every single day. He fixed his focus onto the one whose integrity will never fail, even when ours does. That's why your perfection is not required, because somebody took care of that for us. Not your rightness, just your realness which is so much easier when you fix your focus on the one who is right. The God who does not compromise, his love for you is not compartmentalized. Even when it seems like he has delivered his people to Babylon, I promise you God has a plan. Even when it seems like he's not working or you can't see it, he is still working behind the scenes. Even when you fail, your God does not. When you are inconsistent, he remains consistent. Even when you, when you shake your fist at the heavens and tell him that you hate him, he continues just to unconditionally love you like crazy. Even when he leaves paradise and comes and pays the ultimate price and lives a perfect life only to get arrested and falsely tried and tortured and, and beaten and crucified for millions if not billions of people who will never care that he did. 
this relational God who feels deeply, even in the face of that kind of rejection and pain and heartbreak, still remains integrated and true. He always acts in consistency with the content of his character, church. There is no duplicity between who he is and what he does. And who he is is perfect and holy and extravagant and unconditional, never-ending and overwhelming love for you. Oh, you have an awesome God. We have a holy God. And all that word holy means is simply with integrity, integrated and whole and complete and lacking nothing. So let's celebrate the fact that we have a God whose integrity will never fail. Like our hearts can't help but sing with all of heaven roaring, joining in right now across all of our locations with a million angels echoing, holy is the Lord. In Jesus' name, somebody shout amen and lift up a shout of praise for Jesus Christ. Red Rocks Church, let's worship.